Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Um, so please welcome to the stage, Ari Salafia. Thank you so much. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you all today. What a great event so far. Um, it's my hope for you today that you're going to hear my story. Um, I'm going to keep it really real with you, and I hope that you find me afterwards we talk about what's working in your business, what's not maybe, and we all just make some really great connections here going forward. So thanks for your time. We're gonna jump right in. I'm gonna share with you uh, the story of Tax Taker, how we have been competing with $1 million in funding versus my competitors, 100 million in funding, and how, and I know it's kind of wild, right? Um, and how that hasn't scared us away. And we're still doing tons of business. We're collecting amazing client logos. Our clients love us. We love our clients. And we're excited about the opportunity that's um, in our market. And uh, I think there's probably a lot of uh, shared overlap with some of the things that you all are working on being at uh, the Founder 500. So with that, let's jump right in. So over the next 20 minutes, I'm going to be talking about our customer machine, um, how we've identified our customers, how we've acquired customers cheaply, um, and how we've nurtured our network. Because with a million dollars, we don't have we don't have that that big ad spend, uh, right? Like like the other guys. Um, our product machine, how we've invested in process, how white glove customer service has been key to our success um, and really having to be disciplined in kind of doing one thing first. We'll dive into what that means. Um, and then we'll end with our company machine, how we're competing, um, being extremely intentional, both with our culture, not having um, any big egos, um, and how authentic authenticity uh, we think uh, wins. So. Um, tax taker revenue growth. This is not going to be a presentation on how I said, oh my gosh, I got like two partners and I hockey stick to a billion dollar unicorn status. My numbers are probably one of the least impressive numbers you're going to see at the conference. But to us, there's a big story that happens here and we're super proud of it and super excited about it. And I'm going to share with you how our company kind of changed and iterated um, and now has uh, $3 million about in bookings and renewals for this next coming year. So we're really excited. Um, so let's start with uh, just knowing your customer. 
TaxTaker started as a white label solution for accounting firms. We do government tax credits uh, for growing companies nationwide. We started this company because um, a few years ago, legislation improved for startup companies and small businesses to better benefit from government tax credits, namely the research and development tax credit. So you might have been getting spammed or maybe have used some of my competitors. <laughs> um, if you're on Twitter, you know who I'm talking about. Um, and uh, basically, companies can get a ton of money back for every dollar they spend on development. Uh, accountants found this to be really attractive for their clients, and I was working with accountants across the country, and a bunch of them were coming to me saying, hey, how do we come downstream to help these startup companies that can better qualify from these programs? So we went to market with and piloted out uh, a white label kind of offering. Uh, and what we found was it was so painful. So that's like, the, you'll see that first number. <laughs> it was so painful working with accountants and now they're some of our best champions. Um, but we had to get really drill down into how could we create the most value amount of people and we realized that we had to go direct to the businesses themselves because they were at the end of the day so excited about the money that they could get back. Um, so um, we're going to talk about acquiring customers cheaply when you don't have a ton of ad budget, when you have straight development costs and human capital costs, you've got to be able to be really scrappy and build referral programs and partnership programs um, to, to get larger. Um, and then nurturing. Engagement is everything. And I think that's a huge winning differentiator that a lot of companies miss out on, um, that there are many free ways to engage and nurture your network that will pause extremely uh, or will yield positive returns. Um, so the early days, getting buzz for tax taker. I started selling to CPA firms across the country with our product without having a product. Um, they saw some wireframes and they're like, this is amazing. This technology is so cool. So um, yeah, this was uh, like a top 50 firm in the country. And I was like, hey, we have got this thing. Do you want to be part of it? And they're like, yes. Um, so just kind of building the buzz and knowing that we were going to need others to kind of build the machine from a partner standpoint was was really key for us, although uh, we actually ended up having to completely scrap um, our first go-to-market strategy. Um, acquiring customer, or I should go back to this though. Um, so uh, one of the reasons why we had to shift our go-to-market strategy was uh, basically uh, you think of your accountant, think about all the things that they have to do for you every single year in your tax return. Um, our government tax credits, while extremely lucrative, that's just one line item. So our our business model was pretty challenging at the onset because um, they were excited about what we had to offer and that they could offer now offer their clients. So it wasn't so much that the technology wasn't working because we got there pretty quickly with the technology, uh, but it was more so they had so many other priorities that would take precedent or take urgency with their clients. So we couldn't get fast option and bootstrapping the business originally. I was like, if I'm going to wait around to sell our product for us, we're just not going to make it. So that's why we had to make make that shift to just going to the companies directly. 
Um, so one way to acquire customers on the fly and cheaply um, is through affiliate agreements and revenue share partnerships. This has been key to tax takers growth overall growth plan. And by design, we've built out channel distribution programs and actually have not ever really done any paid um, programming. Um, so uh, we don't do PPC, any paid um, SEO, SEM. Uh, these agreements have done wonders and have yielded hundreds of thousands and now over a million dollars, which we're really excited about. Um, so this is something that will live on, I think, after the presentation and I can also send to you afterwards. Um, but one thing that we were pretty steadfast on is, you know, if we're going to have folks that help us get to that next customer, we're going to pay them handsomely. We're not going to be cheap. So we might acquire the customer a little bit cheaply, but we're not going to be stingy on what we pay that affiliate. So typical SaaS revenue shares around 5%. We're, we're paying our affiliates 10, 15, even 20% um, on a first year deal and sometimes on multi-year. Um, so we want to incentivize them uh, to continue to be thinking about us, to be spreading the word, uh, because if we can influence the influencers, uh, that can have a huge, huge effect. So our competitors, you know, they raised a ton more money than us. They're also compelled to spend a lot more than us, right? So where they might think of they need to get to 1,000 customers or 10,000 customers, like blitz scale, we think about how can we get to 100 to influence 1,000 or 10,000? Um, so just a kind of a little bit of a different, different approach. Um, so this is an agreement that we send um, like a binded kind of practitioners or channels. Um, so I think this one is forecaster, so um, financial uh, planning software. Uh, and we like to go in and create pretty steady partnerships with folks that are already selling to our ICP. So our ICP is a lot of the folks in this room pre-seed through kind of series A, venture-backed or bootstrapped uh, startup technology companies. So why not hang around folks that also sell into those companies? They're looking for value-add services. We're looking for value-add services. We don't always want to just be talking about to our clients. They don't want to just be talking about what they're selling to their clients. Let's team up. We're chasing the same clients and, and share share resources. Um, so this is just one example. Our core channel partners um, at TaxTaker, being a tax credit space, naturally accountants, fractional CFOs, accelerators, and, and VCs. Folks that have a stake and a vested interest, either because they're already working with these companies um, or they want to see these companies be capital efficient. So I would really encourage you to kind of think about um, as you're growing out your referral partnership agreements or your partner or just kind of your growth plan from an acquisition standpoint, there's going to be a lot of folks out there that are like, this is the winning recipe through this one marketing lead funnel and this, like sometimes going just back to basics and just thinking, who else is selling to these folks? Like, who do I need to be talking to? Who can help me build the megaphone? Um, it can do wonders and it can, it, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a have to have when you're being really scrappy. So nurturing your network, 
this is something that our competitors drop the ball on. And one of the biggest things of feedback that we get from clients that move over to us that have worked with a competitor or have uh, evaluated one of our competitors, they are like, wow, it was so awesome that I talked to someone. <laughs> or like, you were a real human. And we're like, what? <laughs> um, so when we think about building a referral engine, we like to use this uh, tree analogy. Um, so um, it basically, you want to plant the seeds, right? Like a lot of the things we're going to say here are super obvious, but like we forget that simple things in execution can like phenomenal. So uh, we'll send this out afterwards to anyone that wants to email me, but you want to plant the seeds, right? So you want to identify the buyers, the advisors, the channels that you're going to need. So for us, again, accountant firms, VCs, accelerators, then you want to build an engagement relationship. And these are things that don't always actually take a lot of time, but it's really important that you're consistent uh, with these activities, right? So just like you would with a sales cycle, like building a cadence with partners and influencers is extremely important. So the element, so you want to, if you want to build an engaging relationship, you're going to have to identify what are the things that I can do on a consistent basis that are going to remind my influencers that we're around, we're here to add value, et cetera. So for us, we authentically engage with their brand. We'll come up with co-marketing marketing strategies that could include a shared blog post post. That could include a joint hosted webinar. A lot of folks are looking for content. So we try to pinpoint kind of easy ways that we can consistently show up with each one of our partners. And I mean, it's kind of funny. Sometimes even it's like just going on LinkedIn and liking some of the things they're doing or promoting some of the things they're doing. Like those things pay off over time. Um, and that's been a huge kind of a huge thing for us. Um, Shine, educating the referrer. It's a lot easier for someone to talk about what you do if you remind them what you, you do, right? So consistently providing a blurb, making it stupid simple for them to refer you to their client base is everything. Like you don't wanna just have a conversation with someone and be like, I hope they remember that I sell tax credits and they're gonna remember that one they should give it that business to me. Like, you know, it just, it's, it can become just a mess. You're talking with so many quality people. Why not have that little extra follow-up or little extra blurb that you send to them so that they can send it to the person that you want to talk to. Um, also like, creating measurable goals with your partners. Not every partner is the same. Uh, we look at partners like a sliding scale. So sometimes a partner might just be kind of a partner perk, right? Listing a quick discount in, in their perks page. Others are gonna be that more robust relationship. Maybe there's gonna be kind of a, a joint venture of campaigns for a series of months. Maybe it's going to, or maybe it's just going to be shared blog posts on a quarterly basis. So. When you're talking with partners, it's really it can be a really slippery slope to also overcommit. So it's really important that you also want to make sure that you know the goals are aligned with yours, uh, and that also you're not doing you know just all the work and you never get any referrals back. So, um, but educating the referrer pays off, and then um, 
incentivizing them. So we do rev share agreements um, at tax taker. Uh, we pay, you know, a bit more than um, others might in traditional kind of SaaS businesses. Um, but sometimes our our uh, affiliates and partners, they don't want any money back. And so that's also awesome because then we get more margin for that. They just want to see a great provider, you know, give value to their customer. So this is kind of a, a, a loop, you know, continuing to say, okay, am I, have I identified the right partners, the right seeds? Am I building an engaging relationship? Am I educating them? Am I giving them the resources that they actually need to help, you know, build my message and what I'm trying to get across? Um, and then rewarding them along the way. It's fun when people get paid. Like our affiliates are stoked when all of a sudden they get $2,000 that just hits our account or $5,000 depending on the size of the client. It's, it's, it's really awesome. Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products. That's plural forward slash valuations. Again, both plural founderpath.com forward slash products forward slash valuations. So next, we're going to go into investing in process, overall customer experience, and doing one thing that I think a lot of founders, it's really for us to do, right? We want to say yes to everything. Um, so um, this is our customer journey map. Um, we start with awareness of tax credits. Um, that's been actually the best thing about our competition when you have hundred million dollars out there in competitor funding. By the way, when I went on my uh, investment tour, everyone said this was not a big enough market. And now we have hundred million dollars in competitor funding. So that's, that's always kind of funny. So we, this is really is kind of the David and, and Goliath story, but use that as just validation that you're doing something right. And there's a market, like there are many horses that are winning in our space and your competitors might actually be paying for the education and buyers to come your way. So we look at this as an amazing thing. So building awareness, educating customers is super expensive. Like when people find out what we do, they're like, oh, tax taker, you help startups get money. That's a no brainer, right? Like everyone must sign up and we're like, you think, but it's not always. So people hear the word tax and they're like, not my thing. Like I'm not, I'm probably not responsible for that. Free money, okay, I have an accountant. They're probably on it, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of things where we can kind of just kind of slip to the wayside because of that. Well, now, because we have competitors that are super active on Google Ads, they're active on campaigns and LinkedIn and Twitter, like by the time we show up, they've seen <laughs> the impressions five, 10, 15 times and they're like, cool. Yeah, I know I need to do this. And like, how do I get started? So like, that's been awesome. But our customer journey map has, is really this, this one loop of, you know, where we make them aware, 
then we go through a discovery and qualification process. This is one of the biggest differentiators between us and our competitors and where we win all the time is this discovery and qualification. Our competitors, they go off and say, we're gonna qualify you and get your money in 20 minutes. It's not true. <laughs> and uh, most of them underqualify or overqualify uh, clients. They make big claims um, and they lack the follow through. We get a lot of uh, a lot of leads that come over from our competitors um, that after speaking with our team for five minutes, 10 minutes, they go, wow, I actually know what this is and how it works and what I'm going to get back. Like I was working with them for six months and I never really knew. So we invest human capital up front to get better results for the long term. And that's been really key for our business. So where we've pulled back tech uh, has actually made our uh, retention a lot stronger with our clients and where we've seen a lot less drop off because we're doing a little bit of the heavy lifting up front by just having a phone call with our clients to make sure that they are eligible for the service that we're actually offering so they don't spend any more amount of time and then not get money at the end of the, the day. So that's been huge for us. Um, and then just the way um, our business model runs, we have to collect data, financial data and project data about the team and what the company does annually um, and build out uh, calculations and a report for their annual tax filing. Um, again, I over-engineered the heck out of this at first, especially working with accountants because they're so detail-oriented. And we started talking to our customers and they're like, hey, you know, you actually have a really pretty product for tax. And, uh, but like, we don't care. We just want the money. Just tell me what I have to do to give you the money and like, I'll do it, right? So we pulled back in certain areas with our engineering. Um, so we have integrations that pull into payroll, HR data, uh, ways for clients to quickly upload things, but we scrapped our surveying process completely and that actually sped up our, our project turnaround times um, by weeks, months, um, because Again, they could just talk to a human quickly. We could get more robust information on a 20 to 40 minute project interview call than we could having them go through surveys inside of the product. Um, so that was a that was a big wake up call for us. Um, and then they go through tax filing and report, and then we ask them if they're happy about the money they got back. And uh, most times, everyone is happy about money that comes back to them. And then the the customer journey just continues year after year. Um, so again, um, revenue growth. This is us pilot testing. This is us shifting to very early stage startups. This is us peeling back our product and then all of a sudden our compound effect with our partnerships, our referrals, our advocates, us actually leaning into humans can be part of a scalable process is allowing us to finally start to get that little hockey stick. So super excited. Um, this is an example of us being just really, really intentional about um, our product roadmap, what's important from a business case standpoint, and most importantly, what's important to our customers. So we take a really high level approach to start. What are the things we're hearing from our customers? What are the things that are 
internal team wants to see, you know, what are efficiencies that can be made uh, in the brain date that we had just before this. I was talking about how uh, we had a uh, a two month hundred thousand dollar integration project, and now I pay five hundred dollars a month to get to eighty times the amount of payroll companies. <laughs> huge, right? So like, had I known that that was something that would existed, you know, $100,000. Like you have to go through some pain sometimes, but with everything that we do, we always are bringing it back to, will us get us to, you know, more customers will actually make our customers go through the process faster. Um, and you know, will it create more revenue for the business and it will make our employees happy? Um, it's really easy to, to want to over-engineer things all the time, get into kind of feature fatigue. Uh, but for us, we've just been really, really disciplined from an engineering standpoint, having to a couple of iterations. So now we, we just instill a lot more um, automation uh, through processes rather than like deep tech inside of our product. Um, so these are just kind of some screenshots of kind of our quick sprints. Um, so staying disciplined, yep, easy to slip into next feature. That's been something that I think also, right, more money, more opportunities to spend money. So when you don't have a lot of money to work off of, uh, you're going to be a bit more disciplined on where the next dollar goes. Um, so that's that's a big one for us. Uh, we've also really looked inwardly, like, what can you even by a little bit. It doesn't even have to be 2x, 5x, or 10x, but just by a little bit, that's going to continue to move the needle. And uh, what can you afford to say yes to? I think as founders, and especially folks that um, kind of have say, like our non-technical founders, it's really easy to get excited about ongoing opportunity and say yes to everything, but not every deal is, is a good deal. And especially being kind of the the David in, in the David and Goliath story, you know, you always want to look bigger than you are and say yes to so many things because you think you're going to get the next customer. Um, but you really have to just be kind of self-aware of, of what's actually achievable and attainable. And again, I know I'm saying really obvious things, but sometimes we have to say these things over and over again for them to like get through our heads. Um, so we got asked what else all the time in our journey. Uh, we were focused on our R&D tax credit. We knew it was a big market. About $18 billion are claimed every year in the U.S. annually. And without fail, like during our fundraise and after, what else, what else, what else? And we knew we wanted to continue to help clients do more, but we knew that we needed to get this right and we needed to get a really good process around this offering right first before we extended ourselves too much. But as a founder, it's super painful when you have all these people saying, hey, what else do you do? Like, I want to give you more money and you don't have anything to give to them. So um, over the last uh, year, we've been building out a couple of different offerings. Um, one has been an additional tax credit that came out of the, the CARES Act, kind of PPP. So 
this is my sell. If you have any, uh, if you have employees and you experienced either a revenue reduction in the last couple of years, or if you're a brand new startup, you started in 2020, you could get up to $7,000 per employee per quarter. It's pretty huge. It's a big refund check from the IRS. So we launched ERC in addition to R&D, and we're really excited. Um, actually, this week, we just made the announcement that we are um, offering tax credit financing. So typically, you have to wait for your tax credit until you file your tax every year. Uh, and we uh, now can actually front a majority of that so that you can get your sooner and use that to grow your business. But we want we wanted to do this for the last two years, but we just weren't ready. We needed to get the credit process down. We needed to get customers that were wildly happy with what we were providing and being advocates until we were able to open up business lines two and three. So I know it's really exciting when you want to open up a whole lot of service offerings, but again, when you're competing, you know, and you only much bandwidth. It's just really important that you do that one thing first. Um, and that's been extremely successful for, or kind of a successful strategy for us. We had to slow down to now go kind of faster. Um, so last, talking really kind of quickly about building your company machine. This is really about organizational health, culture, and how your internal culture really um, can can really affect you positively um, with your external customer base. So you really always want to be intentional for us remembering the vision and what, what our why is and where we started, where we are, where we're headed and getting that continual buy-in from the team. That's really important to us as an organization. Um, you know, everyone has egos, but we like to say that we have kind of a no asshole policy. We are not, I, I was in a sorority. I loved frat parties. We are not a frat party. That's just not the way we do business. It's not like just do it at any cost, any ethic whatever our competition is is a lot like that like and that's the feedback we get um it's grow at all costs hustle just sign anyone up even if they don't qualify whatever we'll get to it later we are not like that we know that we have something valuable to offer we're just helping a customer get what they deserve um and we're gonna do right by them and we are just just super authentic and we know that that wins because ultimately people remember people not logos unless you're Nike <laughs> um, so our team today we're small and, and scrappy uh, there's six of us um, and at seven with an intern. Um, and then we have a, a small contract network. Um, so we have determined that because of the technology that we've built um, with our delivery team, we can do five times the amount of work than a traditional practitioner can do in this space. So we've leaned into uh, going more top of the funnel heavy on partnerships and sales folks to build the engine um, for um, to keep kind of top of the funnel going. Um, and then we're able to deliver uh, robust credits year after year with, with a lean um, technical team because uh, our product helps a lot. So six ways to compete um, in any industry. So we talked about being strategically cheap, but sharing in the wealth, right? So 
be cheap in the way that you identify how to get to that next customer, but reward those that helped you along the way. It pays off so much in the long run. Nurture your network. Don't forget who is helping you. How can you be engaging with them? Even your customers. For us, we know exactly what our customers do. We know who makes up their teams. So we can be thoughtful of, oh, maybe are you raising? Let's go introduce you to this VC that also referred these other portfolio companies to us. Like just keep it real and it, it will pay off. Um, staying laser focused, you know, doing the one thing first, it's so hard because I know a lot of you want to probably do like a billion things and have even more ideas every, every single day. But, um, you know, doing just one thing really well and getting that right to propel you onto that two, three, four thing. It's, it's, it can do wonders. Um, when you can't build what can you automate or make efficient? We just didn't have that bandwidth or that budget to spend in AI and machine learning and all the crazy things that I wanted to think about in disrupting this whole space. But guess what? My competitors that have raised 25, 50, 100 million that have AI at the end of their names, they're asking us, what are they doing differently? Right? So kind of goes to show you, you know, you can build processes that have technology, people, um, but might not be the most expensive. Um, be intentional and be deliberate about the customers you want. We've had to face ourselves many times. You know, we're accountants the right way to go. We're direct customers the right way to go. Now we're swinging back over to accountants. We've kind of nailed some of the the direct companies and now accountants are coming back like, oh, okay, I think we might be ready for you. So that's kind of an interesting. Um, and then lastly, be authentic. You know, people remember people, not logos. They're going to remember how they made you, you made them feel. So I hope that after this session, uh, I get to learn about a bunch of your journeys and really, really appreciate the time here today. So thank you.